0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It's good to be with you today. Coming up on February 20th, Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile with Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas. Tickets are available now at kkla.com. Just go and click the banner. Also, I'm going to be giving away tickets later on in the big show today. Uh, but better than free tickets to Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile with Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas is my guest, who's with us right now, the Gentile, Eric Metaxas. Eric, welcome to Southern California Live.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been introduced as a Gentile. I am a Gentile. I'm also a Christian, but yes. you know, there are many Gentiles that are not Christians, and there's some Christians that are not Gentiles. I'm definitely a Gentile.
1: I think that's really good. I was going to ask you, actually, for our American-educated audience, what is a Gentile?
2: Well, you know, Jews are ethnically Jewish. You could be an atheist uh, who, who doesn't believe in God, but you could be ethnically Jewish. And those who are not are called Gentiles. So if you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile. And uh, and uh, I am, I'm half Greek and half German. My mother and father were born in Europe, one in Greece, one in Germany. And I'm, I'm a Gentile. No Jewish blood that I'm aware of.
1: All right, well, in the God. <laughs> there you go. That's why you need to uh, come to this event, um, if you're listening. If you don't know Eric Metaxas, you should. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author of Is Atheism Dead? Fish Out of Water, Martin Luther, If You Can Keep It, Bonhoeffer, among many others, and his newest book is Letter to the American Church, uh, which I have recently read. He's also the host of The Eric Metaxas Show, a national syndicated daily radio show heard on 300 outlets nationwide and on television on TBN. He lives in New York City with his wife and daughter. Eric, uh, it's great to have you on. I recently read Letter to the American Church, and I recommend people read it. It's one of those books, and I read a lot of books, but it's one that I keep thinking about even a couple weeks after I've finished it.
2: I mean, most – all the books I've written, uh, I I write pretty much for everyone. I want everyone uh, to be able to read it. Uh, Many times, you know, it's my fellow – uh, evangelical Christians who are most excited about it. They give it to their friends. But I write my books for everybody. You could give any of my books pretty much to, to anybody. Mm. But this book, I specifically said I want to write this to the people in America who claim to be Christians. So it's called Letter to the American Church. And I wrote it, because, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about this uh, at the Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile event uh, in uh, two, two weeks. But I wrote it because I saw I, – some people know I wrote a book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer about right. what happened in Germany in the 30s. And the silence of the church in Germany is what enabled evil to come in. Yes. There's no question about it. I, I won't go into details because we don't have the time, but I will tell you that I know it was the silence and inactivity of the church. The fact the church didn't leap up and see what was happening – and stand against it with everything they had, they hesitated. They have theological objections. Oh, it's not our job to get involved in politics. Their silence brought about hell on earth. Uh, Part of that is the Holocaust. That's the, the, the worst part. There are a lot of other horrible parts. And it is my contention in this book, Letter to the American Church, that the silence of the American Church today to many issues that are facing us is precisely the same. Well, the Germans, when this began, they couldn't have predicted what was was happening. They they had no clue that their silence would open the door to these things. And I say that the silence of the American church on a, on a host of issues, which we could talk about, has opened the door to evil taking root in America, in the way that evil took root in Germany. And it, and Bonhoeffer said, and I agree. It is the job of the Church to be the conscience of the state. We're not mm. to be silent when we see evil things happening. Uh, we're not to say, oh, that's not my job. I'm just doing the theological thing over here. That's that's garbage. That's absolutely wrong. It's not biblical. And that's why I wrote this book, Let's the American Church, because the parallels are incredibly dramatic. I hate to say it, but there's no hyperbole. Uh, so it's a warning that if we don't, get serious about speaking against all the things that we see uh we are going to reap the whirlwind and and I'm sorry but
1: that's uh, I really see that that's true I think people do see that I think you know one of the things that has been profound about the book to me is the idea that the church really needs to be able to speak not simply about, hey, these things are wrong today, but look where it's going to take us. Look at this will right. be what happens, and I think that's what is so powerful about the comparison you made between the German church and the thirties because it really was not hard to figure out what Hitler was about and what was going to come about his own writings. He pretty much put it out there, right People knew i don 't think it's that well, hard you could
2: say yeah. I think you could say for some people
1: it was hard, yeah So Bonhoeffer
2: was trying to let them know, trying to connect the dots, saying to them, listen, uh, you can't give this a pass or this a pass. If you let them get away with this and this and this, now it is going to open the door to pure hell. And he was right. In other words, he, he was making a point of principle that if you say, well, we're going to look at the way, other way on this issue, uh, we don't want to get involved. We, we you know, we want people to come to our churches, and we don't want them to feel like uh, we're being divisive. If if you take that attitude and do not speak up when evil raises its head, even in a small way, God is pointing his finger at you because you are enabling evil to take over. And that is what happened in Germany. The Germans couldn't see the fullness of where it was going. And Bonhoeffer was trying to say to them, this is going in this direction unless you do something about it. And they kept saying, well, not yet, not yet. Uh, We don't know. We don't know. I don't want to get in you know, I don't want to get in trouble, I don't want to be divisive, I don't want to be political. Romans 13, famous chapter in the book of Romans in the Bible, that settles it. Complete yeah. nonsense. It doesn't settle anything. But they use these excuses, and by the time many of them saw what was happening, it was too late. Yeah. And that is my contention for the American church, that, that if you don't speak up in principle on every one of these issues, and be willing to pay a price. Be willing to get canceled or be willing to get whatever. If if you're afraid of that, you've become part of the problem. You're being intimidated uh, by these voices, and you you ought not to if you claim to be a Christian.
1: I think that there is tremendous fear. I think we suffer from that as a country in so many different ways right now. Um, And in the church, I've been a pastor for 25 years, and I think that there is a fear that maybe we're going to abandon the gospel either for a sort of left social gospel wokeness or the other side for partisan political power. There'll be no gospel. But where it leaves us is we don't say anything.
2: Yes. No, you're right. And I also think this whole idea of, you know, when people talk about it, 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 it's when when people say, oh, you're being political to to Christians, Mm -hmm. that's really just a garbage word. They're just trying to shut you up because there's nothing wrong. With being political. Now, if you want to make an idol of politics, that's bad. That's right. You're, you're, you're supposed to worship God. But to, to say, oh, you're being political, standing against slavery was political. That's right. But the people who didn't like that said, oh, you're being political. Uh, standing up for the unborn, people who don't like this say, oh, you're being political. Standing up for anything that's true and right and good. Many people will call it political, and they will try to demonize you and say, oh, you're just one of those, you just care about politics and power. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you care about your fellow human beings, you're going to speak up against evil, whether it's the transgender madness, where, whether it's anything, corruption, election fraud. doesn't matter. If you believe that God calls you to speak the truth for the sake of others, Uh, you are obliged to speak on these things. So all the voices trying to say, no, 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 you need to shut up. Just stick to your little gospel. Don't talk about anything else. That is just what happened to the German church. They bought that lie. They were silent in the face of a number of evils that they said, well, we can let that go or we can let that go. That's, you know, hey, that's kind of where the American church is today, where you have many, many pastors so strongly avoiding anything and listen let's let's be honest many of them have been fooled by um you could you could say oh you're being political that will shut up most people or you could say oh what you that's christian nationalism and right. you think well why are you calling it that why are you focusing on that we you should focus on the fact that marxist atheism is taking over critical race theory is taking over it is the enemy of the gospel. It is the enemy of American freedom. It's the enemy of truth. You need to speak against that. And to worry about Christian nationalism is like a joke. I think to myself, I'm amazed that there are people that are really worried that that's a big issue. You know, I have yet to meet some scary Christian nationalist who wants to create a theocracy and worship the, you know, at the throne of Donald Trump. I, I, I just find that so silly. It's like when people bring up you know, that one crazy person, and they go, See, see, and you go, well, that, Yeah, that's one guy. Right. There's a million of us. Like, yeah. why are you pointing that out? Actually, um, it's like when people point out, out the Westboro Baptist Church. You think, Wait a second, wait a second. Why are you bringing them up? I don't know a single Christian who would be a part of that, who wouldn't condemn that. So you're just playing a game by bringing them up. Y- you just want to shut me up and, and want to say that if I speak, you're just going to lump me in with that group of people. That's called being dishonest. It's called being intellectually dishonest. And that's where we are. The church is being silenced by people who are brazenly pushing an agenda. And if you don't go along with it, they just label you this or this or this or this. And Mm. the real problem, of course, is Christians are allowing themselves to be silenced by that. We cannot allow it. And that's what I write about in the booklet of the American Church, that God is holding us accountable our silence, in the same way that he held the German church accountable, what happened over there, that that's at the foot of, uh, of that. the blame is at the foot of the church. That's right.
1: You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Ferrell. My guest is Eric Metaxas. He is the author of Letter to the American Church. You know, as you're speaking, I'm having some of the same thoughts that have stuck with me after reading your book, is where do we start? The average churchgoer who's sitting in the pews, who's you know maybe the pastor is speaking out on these things or maybe he's not there's the i think that the bulk of people listening realize we have got to speak out we on our show a lot we have people from all different walks of life in our audience i believe that a lot of the issues of of our country especially the transgender stuff and things like that even most nonbelievers are actually on the same page with this is leading us to a bad place where does the church speak how do we start as regular church people speaking lovingly, truthfully, and prophetically about these things?
2: Well, the, the first thing I would say is what, what you just said about a lot of non-believers see this stuff. That's a big piece of the puzzle. In other words, if you care about evangelism, you need to address these issues, yeah. m- often from the pulpit, because there are people dying for, to know, what, what do I do in the madness? Where do I turn? If, if they're getting answers in a church... They're going to go to that church because they want answers. Churches are famously not addressing these things because they're so afraid of, of being divisive. These are the questions that average Americans have. You know, who decided 10 minutes ago that there are more than two genders? Where did that idea come from? Right. That sounds like garbage to me. sounds like lunacy, but you're telling me I need to go along with that? If there's a church saying, we don't agree with that, we think it's lunacy, we want to pray for those people and bring healing to those poor souls that are so confused, and we want to, we want to stand against schools and other places indoctrinating people into beginning to think this way. Those churches, the ones that are doing that, are growing in number, and I've seen this because uh, they often invite me to speak, and I hear the story that yeah, we stayed open during COVID, and all the other churches closed, and we speak about this and this and this, and the other churches want to talk about, and th- their their numbers have doubled and tripled just in the last year and a half because the hunger for truth has never been like it is now in America. So the irony is that you have churches so worried about, quote-unquote, evangelism and preaching gospel that they don't touch on any of these hot-button topics, and they're losing numbers quickly. And those who do address these topics, you know, all kinds of non-churchgoers are going to those churches saying, listen, I, I deal with this. I have kids. I'm trying to live my life, and I don't know where to turn. Where are the voices of sanity? And so I think the church ought to be the first voice of sanity on this issue. And, you know, I say to people, what can you do? The first thing you can do is, um, you know, I mean, you can give your pastor, if your pastor's not dealing with this, give him a copy of my book and say, what do you think of this? And if they don't deal with this stuff, I would find another church. I would absolutely... In other words, we're not. It's not 1985. It's not 1995. We're we're in a, in a tipping point moment. If we don't get serious about this, like immediately, uh, and, and start understanding that God is looking to His church to speak against this, it's going to get much worse. And so I say to people, if you're going to a church that's not dealing with this, that wants to kind of pretend that we can go back to whatever so a few years ago. Get out of that church, don't tie to that church, because those churches are dying, and they're part of the problem. They are allowing evil to come in, and we've seen it already. I mean, the the, the evil that has come into the culture in every direction, no matter where you look. Even if you're talking about the border, the idea of an open border, fentanyl, pouring over the border, destroying lives Mm. across the nation, that's a moral issue. The church needs to speak on that issue. It's a simple issue. Yeah. A drag queen story hour? We should be out en masse to, uh, protesting that or, or, or doing what, what we can do. We should be bringing uh, Christian books or other books and saying, I want to read this in, in the library, and they're going to say, oh, it's too political, and then give them pushback and say, no, no it's not political. Gotta, we have to be a voice in the culture, and everybody's called to a different part of it. We're not all supposed to be doing the same thing. Right. But if we don't live self-sacrificially and understand God has called us to be His voice in this culture, where Germany went, that is where we are now. In 33 and 34, just as the Nazis took power, there was a window uh, where the church was silent. If they had stood up as Bonhoeffer was begging them to do, things would have changed. They had the cultural power. It's exactly the same That's- in America. And you have many pastors being silent or even advocating silence. We need to tell our pastors, listen, you're getting this wrong. America is going to go down the tubes. We're under God's judgment. We need to get this right. We need to stop pretending that we shouldn't be political because that leads instantly to making an idol of politics. Anybody who stood against the slave trade was political, and they were accused of being political. Anybody who stood against uh, Jim Crow laws, they called them political and you don't want to go to a church that says, oh, we don't want to take a position on Jim Crow laws or slavery or abortion. that That's no church to attend. And there are a lot of churches that are effectively there today. They won't speak out against critical race theory. They're, they've gone along with the Black Lives Matter uh, stuff. And I, I would say run from those churches and try to get any pastors that, that still have ears to hear to understand where we really are right now, because... God's judgment is happening. We see it all around us. It's it's it's, it's only going to get more and more obvious. But the, the Lord has called his church to be the voice to speak against this. And of course, some are,
1: but most don't yet get it. I do think that you're right, that the time is now, that we do still have on these issues for a short window, an opportunity to speak out and I think maybe do something about it. Uh, that's something I think that people will get out of this book, wherever they're coming from. And you mentioned different Christian leaders and stuff. That's part of it, right? We're on different pages on so many different things, but some of it is, uh, oh, you know, some yeah. of it's nuanced, right? We mean different things. If we're all in the room, we might agree more, but I'm not sure that people... I think that ties us up into ultimately doing nothing. and it,
2: That's it, really the point. Yeah. That's the point. And that's exactly where the devil gets us, because yeah. we are... Called by God to live self-sacrificially, a lot of Christians think, "Oh, I can just live a nice life." Um, that people in other countries can suffer for their faith. God is calling us to live self-sacrificially. To say that my children will live in a hellish landscape if I don't do everything I can do right now. A lot of people think, "Well, I think we have some time." We have no time. We we have squandered the years that we've had. Um, we're at the uh, uh, you know the 59th minute of the 11th hour, and I really think that what we're already seeing, the judgment is coming, and it's going to get worse. Anybody who understands what happens when a nation turns its back on God uh, or is silent in the face of evil is it's pretty dramatic. It's it's like you have um, w- we've been so spoiled in America that we can't even imagine that. And I think mm. the Germans were the same; they yeah. could not even imagine what would be in their future. And I, I wrote my Bonhoeffer book, and I wrote this the new book, Letter to the American Church, to help people understand this is what will happen. It will get yeah. worse than you ever dreamt. They didn't see it coming in Germany, but God is giving us a warning. He gives us the example of the German church to warn us, and this is not a game. This is real, and, and the think, Lord is looking to his people.
1: And I think that any imagining that you do about where we're headed, it does not go to a good place. There's nobody who says, oh, this is going to be great in 10 or 15 years. Nobody oh, says
2: listen that. the destruction of religious liberty, the attacks on biblical values is is ultimately an attack uh, on liberty itself That's everyone right.
1: will suffer everybody everyone will suffer. will
2: suffer every atheist, every Muslim, every Buddhist, every Jew, every agnostic will suffer if the church in America does not stand up and live out. Our faith, and 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 we are being sifted. We are seeing who really believes, who really cares, or who just wants to kind of play church and have a nice church and have a nice ministry and not rock the boat. Uh, Jesus was that not that kind of a guy, and uh, we, we are in a life and death struggle with 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 uh, madness. I mean, we're dealing with ideologies that are, mm. you know, they're 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 untrue on a level that you have to call them crazy. If you're not willing to call that out and understand that that's going to Going to destroy uh, communities. It's going to destroy right. the, the next generation. If you don't understand, God called you to this battle uh, on your knees, and in any way you can be activist and be doing something. We all are called to different things, but if, if you're in a place, a community that doesn't get that, that just wants to kind of keep going along, you are uh, sleepwalking, and you're sleepwalking to a cliff. And that is where we are. So I wrote this book, hoping to wake up those who still could be uh, awakened.
1: Where is the uh, best place to get your book, "Letter to the American Church"?
2: People can get it absolutely anywhere. I always say, just go to my website, ericmetaxas.com. dot com. It's uh, you know you can find it anywhere—Barnes and Noble, Amazon, a, a, you know, Christianbook dot com. But if you go to ericmetaxas.com, dot com, it'll show you. Uh, a number of options, and... Uh, Just about anywhere you can get the book. Here.
1: Yeah, all right. The book is called uh, Letter to the yeah. American Church. My guest is Eric Metaxas on Southern California Live. Eric also is going to be our guest at Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile coming up on February 20th, 7 p.m., First Church of the Nazarene. It's with Dennis Prager, and uh, tell us uh, you know, briefly, what are your thoughts about this? What what excites you about this event, working with Dennis Prager, and this subject?
2: Ooh. Listen, Dennis Prager is a dear friend, and I cannot be in a room with him without having a good time. I laugh, I joke, I tease him. We're serious, but we are always having a ton of fun. I, I just, uh, any time I get to do something with Dennis, I know I'm I'm just going to absolutely die with laughter at points. We really have fun, and of course, we, we talk about a lot of serious stuff. But I, I just love him. And I'm just thrilled that I finally get to do one of these events with them. So that's in Pasadena on the 20th.
1: It's going to be a great time. And I think something that, you know, I think a lot of even what we were talking about before is that often we're, we're uninformed. We think maybe a lot of Christians think they understand how a Jewish person views Jesus or the Bible or the Messiah. But I think that we're going to learn that often we don't know what we're talking about. And we're going to grow in our faith simply by understanding better.
2: Well, that's the, that's the goal, and I yeah. just, uh, as I say, I know it'll be fun. I'm so glad you're involved, and uh, De- Dennis is just, he's a delight. I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to have a great time together. I look forward to seeing you there on the 20th. Eric Metaxas, thank you for joining me here on Southern California Live. It's a privilege to have you on our show and for your passion. Uh, the book, once again, is Letter to the American Church. You can get that uh, anywhere books are sold or go to ericmetaxas.com. Uh, Eric, uh, thank you for joining me today. My privilege. God bless you, Scott. God bless you, too, Eric. Eric Metaxas is also the host of the Eric Metaxas Show. It is heard on 300 outlets nationwide and on TV on TBN. And uh, so you can check him out there. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned.
0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
3: But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil in China. They commit genocide in Iran. They murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective.
1: That was uh, Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador, Nikki Haley announcing that she is running for president for the Republican nomination and uh, she announced today she is officially the second person after Donald Trump announced a couple of months ago. Uh, Welcome back to Southern California Live. Glad that you are with us. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we had on Eric Metaxas and uh, author Eric Metaxas. He's author of a new book called uh, Letter to the American Church, and it is a book that challenges the American church to be a political voice, and he compares the time that we're living in now to the time of the church during uh, the 1930s in Germany, and whether or not they should have spoken up during uh, the rise of Adolf Hitler and the things that uh, some people were very well aware of what Hitler's capabilities were, what his agenda was, and the church wasn't really speaking up, Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer being one of those people who did and, you know, when I when I talk to Eric, and he'll be part of our program next Monday night with Dennis Prager called Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile, I want to think about this question. What is the difference between being partisan and being political? Meaning, does it, when you think about the church being political, does what goes through your mind when you hear somebody say that, is it just simply partisanship? And you can find people partisan on the right and the left. And, or is it the church being active in the in the policies and the the of the day the different things that uh, we should be addressing in our culture um how do you make sure that you are about being about the issues of the day and not just being a partisan uh for one side or the other what do you think about that does it make you uncomfortable does it make you comfortable how do you how do you do that i think it matters this conversation 8885282557888528 two five five seven is the number. Uh eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Uh Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live.
4: Uh good afternoon, Scott. Ted, City of the Angels. How
1: you doing, Ted? Good. I'm reporting for
4: duty and I just basically wanna ditto this man is just he touched on everything I feel. The man that wrote the book that you just had a topic and discussion with him. I mean that's a real man. That's a real Christian and, uh, you know, the, the danger also, because, you know, he had this subject of they were having drag queen shows in a church. I mean, uh, this, this is the responsibility of the church to not allow this, because on the other side of the world, in poor countries, there's people being killed for being Christians. And all they got to do is look at what we're doing over here and you know you know you know what the muslims do to homosexuals we all know know this sort of thing and you know these people that seem to think it's okay to do this behavior they have blood on their hands because there's people that are dying and all you got to do is give those other people a little bit of information a little bit of video of these drag queen things going on in churches in america and they're going that's going to give them all the fuel they need to kill innocent Christians around the world. So when these churches think it's cute and funny to do this in front of children, they're inflaming other people around the world that are not Christians. And oh. hey,
1: Ted, how does the church today deal with, and you were talking about a church who was hosting that, we talked about that I think a little bit last week, mm-hmm. but how do Christians speak out about injustices today or things that are very heavily political? Like, you know, a lot of things just get politicized I think that Eric is in a way right that sometimes we just say, oh, you're being political as a way to shut people up. But I think that sometimes we're being partisan, right? There's, there's a place where um, it's more about winning because of sides rather than an issue. So what does a Christian do to make sure that they're speaking out about the issues uh, in a way that will be heard?
4: Well, I mean, like I've said in the past, you know, I've been attacked for being a you know, a Trump fan. And I said, no, I voted for the unborn black child. You want to put a face on decisions. If it affects my faith, then th- then I have to vote with my faith. I voted, uh, uh, Democrat before I'm a registered, uh, you know, conservative. My father was a registered conservative. My brother was. And my mom uh, was Democrat because my father wanted to study both sides. Yeah, And my sister is hardcore Democrat.
1: All right, and right. i voted... I'm with you, Ted. I want to go on to some other calls, but oh, I, I appreciate your call. Thanks for listening in the Southern California. Are you going to uh, ask a Jew, ask a Gentile, by the way?
4: Uh, if you invite me.
1: <laughs> Tell you what, Ted, uh, uh, hold on for a second. Maybe we'll invite you, okay? Hold on. All right, 888-528-2557. What do you think about uh things that Ted was s- saying here? Is there, you know, and an, an, is there a difference between being political and being partisan? Where do you draw that line? 888-528-2557. David in Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live.
5: I'm sorry to call in for a second day in the row Scott. but I <laughs> No problem, David. You, said, you know, Eric Metaxas is a Manhattanite who went to Yale i went to dort college and transferred to princeton eric metaxas writes well but is totally wrong-headed you know when when hillary clinton ran against trump he actually called hillary hitlery eric metaxas is in this is in the old school of dobson Boykin. Who who want Christianity to be under assault by the Nazis and comparing?
1: You wait a minute. You think he wants he wants Christianity to be under assault?
5: No, 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 no. She's portraying it that way, and that is very alienating to young evangelicals. Which is why young young people are deserting evangelical Christianity. The right tone. Was the Jesus gets us commercials on the uh, uh, on the, uh Super Bowl? That's the right tone. We're, this is not like Nazi Germany. The church is not under assault like the Jews were under the assault by the Nazis. That's a gross distortion of reality and history.
1: Well, I, I, mean, I think just, I uh, think what he's saying is that we're not right now, but we're headed that way if the church doesn't speak out. That's the that's the analogy he's making in his book. Uh, but you like the he, he Gets Us ads. You feel like that's the better tone? Because those were, you know, I think people thought they were political. It's funny that some people thought they were political left, and some people thought politically right. Uh, you like that tone better.
5: Only, only Dobson, Boykin, Matraka style Christians thought those were political. Those elevated the humility and the love of Jesus. That's what appeals to younger evangelicals not that Dobson, Boykin, and Matrakas were under assault. No, mm. that's
1: not true. That's an interesting... We have a lot
5: of complex things going on, but I think if if the, church, if the white evangelical church continues to follow people like Eric, like, uh, we're doomed, no question about it, because that's not where young people are. All right. I mean, Eric Metaxas is 60 years old.
1: All right, Eric. And uh, this isn't just because it's a Yale and Princeton disagreement that you have, something that happened at some sporting event at some point. I'm just kidding.
5: Absolutely not.
1: I'm just no. teasing you. I'm just teasing. Hey, David, thank you for calling. No problem calling two days in a row. Thanks for calling. Hey, what is is David right? Uh, what do you think about uh, this? Give us a call. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. What I'm looking at is... How do you be political about something as a Christian without being partisan? I get in, when we come back, I'll maybe I'll give you some example of what I think the difference is between those two things you know, 888 um, 528 Also, before the hour is up, we will be giving away tickets to Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile, that will include Eric Metaxas and Dennis Prager and me in a Jewish-Christian discussion. It's in on February 20th. You can get tickets at kkla.com. It's at Pasadena First Church of the Nazarene. Next Monday night begins at 7 p.m. All right, we'll be back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. Stay tuned.
0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at
1: 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully I'm not... uh... Just the first to let you know that that is today, but you, you know, you got a few minutes on the way home from work if you forgot. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. We'll go back to the phones. Uh, Yvette in Santa Monica, welcome to Southern California Live.
5: Hi,
3: Scott. Happy Valentine's Day to you and your wife. Thank I hope you. you have a great celebration. I was calling in because the guy David who called after Eric McTaxis said, you know, spent 60 seconds talking about their school rivalries and had um, just a tone of not unity for two Christian men, and I think sometimes that's the biggest turnoff to the world around us is we have Catholics and Protestants and everything in between arguing about our love for Jesus, and the other people are wrong, and the outside is looking at us going, well, wait, you don't even like each other or get along. How do you want me to come to your church? And, and that was my first thing. And, and the second thing is, I believe there is such a rampant ignorance of the Word of God within the church in America today that we don't know how to lovingly evangelize and talk to a gay person or a Muslim person or a Jewish person or, or whatever. You know, we, we come off so uh, it, it's just a weird, a, a, a bad—it's um, it, it's like we don't know how to be loving enough to and winsome enough to actually talk to a gay person and, and give them the, the truth lovingly. So, uh, uh, do you feel uh, like and, this is a, a
1: failure of the church to um, disciple?
3: Yes, one another for sure. Like yeah. there, there
1: is so, something where you know I think a lot of these things. You know, I think David is funny because he is he doesn't like the tone of Eric Metaxas. Uh, Eric, yeah. would, Eric would probably say. Well I think you need to fight harder on these issues and I don't know where David is on those things. David did like the tone of the he gets us ads. You know his I think David's concern was that younger people are are tuning out if people are overly harsh.
3: I get that. And and he's probably got a point there. Um but what truth and harshness is in the the harshness is in the delivery. The truth never changed. It was the same two thousand years ago. It's the same today, and it'll be the same tomorrow. So what we focus on is the delivery of truth. But the softening of the truth is what I have with some uh, the touchy feely or kind of uh, it's it, it's it's we do need to be gentle. We
1: you know you can go the other it's, way, it's, right? Where of, you can you can be so harsh that the truth doesn't get communicated. Or you can be so right. soft that also the truth doesn't get communicated. Right, right.
3: I mean, people need to to approach you. I had a, a gay guy that I worked with and would just pray over him, not saying. I said, "No, oh, see, I'm going to church. I got to be on time tonight. I'm doing the communion. Bye, see you tomorrow." And then one day he came and sat and knelt by my desk. He goes, "Am I going to go to hell for being gay?" I said, "Well, am I going to go for, to hell for for being the sins I've committed in my life?" I go, "Let's talk." And he goes, "No, seriously." I said. What sends you to hell is not accepting the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So you need to understand what that is, and let's talk. Not here in the office, but, you know, somewhere else. But I had worked with him maybe a year before he came and sat with me, but I could tell his heart was—I didn't want to say anything about his gayness. And I I was very, like— you know, I, oh, i got to be on time for this meeting, you know, talking about my rights. I better go. i got to get this done for the boss, you know, that kind of thing, trying to set an example, not yeah. talking about I'm any good.
1: Well, I think and, uh, yeah, that I appreciate your call on on that. And I think sure. that, uh, you know, a couple of things that you said there, one is about truth. We've got to be truthful. And I think that's where maybe a line is between partisanship and just being political, Right. Um, you know, something that I would say is, would you criticize whoever it is you criticize politically? Would you criticize them the same if they were on your team? Meaning that let's say you don't like that, that Joe Biden let that balloon fly over the country a a week ago. Okay. That's your, that's your opinion. Um, he should have shot it down beforehand, but would you say the same thing if it were a Republican president, right? Would you, does the, the, political views of the person doing the thing change your view on what is true or good policy? Uh, If so, I think that's partisanship, right? That's not the same as truth, where you should be able to speak the same truth to somebody on your team uh, for making the same mistake. Maybe you should even be harsher with the person on your team because they're on your team, right? They're representing uh, your way of thinking. Uh, And the other thing there, and I don't want us to miss this on discipleship. Discipleship... Uh, that you said there. Discipleship is relational. Uh, there's, We get into, I think, a lot of trouble when we have categories of people, and we say, well, those people over there. See, the, the conversation's very different when somebody in that group is somebody that you work with, somebody that you interact with on a regular basis, right? The entire thing is different. That's where discipleship happens. It happens with the people that we know, and we've got to be careful about how we approach things so that we can have the relationship strong enough to speak the truth to somebody without watering it down so that they miss the point or without being a jerk so they'll never ask us the question so i think that matters a lot 888-528-2557 chris in westminster welcome to southern california live hey
0: i appreciate taking
1: my
0: call um i piggyback off your last caller um, one thing that I find hard for me is um, online, I'm pretty vocal. In person, I'm probably more toned down than I am in online. Um, I'm always trying to be respectful no matter what. But uh, maybe I'm asking you, how? what would you say to encourage us? Uh, and back off what Eric is saying, um, because I am encouraged. I am inspired to want to speak up more. But I do find it hard, like even with certain family members, that maybe Catholic or or whatever view they have, I kind of let them voice their view, and I won't bring up anything unless they ask me, hey, what's your opinion on this? Um, do we need to be more vocal then? Like, how where do you find that balance of speaking the truth in love, when stay, when to stay quiet, when to, you know, when to stand up? That's sort of been my challenge. And so I'll let you uh, give me your answer on the phone or on the air. But, yeah, I kind of toss it back to you, What's your advice
1: or your view? All right, Chris. Uh, You know, one of the things I think, uh, number one, stuff online is probably not effective at all with uh, anybody. I don't know anybody whose opinion was changed because of their Facebook post. I just wouldn't put a lot of stock in in that. Um, But interpersonally, you know, you have to be in prayer for the people that God has placed in your life, and you've got to decide what's the best way to relate to them and love truthfully. And, you know, one of the things that Jesus did— and part of discipleship, right, it's not discipleship of me or discipleship of your pastor at your church or discipleship of political points of view. It's discipleship of Jesus. We're to be, We're to become like him. And one of the things he did was he asked a lot of questions, right, that he was able to communicate a lot by asking questions of people. So sometimes the way to have a spiritual conversation or a conversation about something that might be Political or in the culture is ask questions. Uh, you know, for example, if it's somebody who has got um, a different belief system, well, will ask questions about their belief. Try to get them to flush it out. Um, if they've got question, if they're, they're making statements that are are political in favor of things that you believe are bad, um, you know, somebody who is in favor, say, of uh, pornography, and they say, well, pornography it's empowering to women. Okay, well. No, it isn't. But maybe the way to do that is ask, well, how is it empowering to women? Doesn't it? Don't you think it objectifies women? Um, studies show that pornography leads to violence and detachment for for men and health issues. Um, the studies that the CDC, you know, you ask, how do you feel about that? CDC just put out studies that say 57% of teen girls uh, feel hopelessly depressed today. That's gone up. In crazy numbers over the past 10 years, you know, one of the things I'd say, Chris, is a really good, uh, you know, tactic for having conversation that leads to places of the truth is to ask questions, to get people to think it through, because a lot of things that are not true, if you get people to, to really think through to its logical ending, if they're willing to do that, some people just aren't open-minded, right? It's just, you're I'm right and you're wrong and that's it. But when you really think about it, you know, where is this going? Where is it going that we're going to like the school in New Hampshire that got rid of the urinals and we're going to have just one bathroom and you can go in there based upon however you feel your gender is? Where is, you know, a good question is, where is that going to go? Like, Do you really believe that that is going to end up in a place where everybody's just happy and comfortable with it? No, there's no way that's going to happen. It's going to end up with some people getting seriously hurt. There will be guys who go in there who are not even dealing with gender dysphoria or anything. They're just going in there to see the girls. And we've already had that situation of a girl being raped by one of these guys who probably has no intention uh, of doing anything. You know, he's he's not trying to be a woman. He's just using that as the excuse. This is going to go somewhere bad. And I think that some of what you can do is lead people to really question their own thinking without – sort of questioning them. And you might be convinced. They might have something on some issue, particularly when it comes to politics, where you at least see their point. Maybe you get convinced. Does that make sense? So that would be one of my thoughts, is is to ask questions. And if you think that somebody is wrong about something, get them to get there on their own. And you can do that with questions. You can see Jesus do that in the New Testament. Um, thank you, everybody. I think this is a good discussion. I want to have it uh, more often, because I think that Learning how to relate to people this way matters a lot. I want to give you one last chance for free tickets to Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile. Call right now for free tickets to Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile. 888-528-2557 is the number. Call right now. I'll take the fifth caller. Fifth caller. 888-528-2557. Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile is with Eric Metaxas, our guest this hour, and Dennis Prager, uh, who was our guest last week also on this program, and me. I'll be moderating a a Jewish-Christian discussion with Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas at the First Church of the Nazarene in Pasadena next Monday night at 7 p.m. There are VIP tickets. If you want to meet Dennis and Eric, you can meet them, uh, get the VIP tickets, show up at 5 o'clock. You can also, if you don't win the free tickets, you can buy your tickets online at kkla.com, kkla.com. Right now, just click the Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile banner. And uh, you want to get the tickets before they're gone. The VIP tickets are, are almost gone. Maybe they're gone already. I'm not sure, but uh, they're getting close to gone. So if you want that opportunity, do that right away. All right, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. We're here every day, three to five, God bless you. I will see you next week or see you tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow.